Hello everybody, welcome to Take Orally. Uh, Jamie here, going it alone in this episode as we look at uh, how to interpret a chest x-ray. Uh, we're going to go through step-by-step approach uh, in this very common investigation. I think I must see several of these uh, in most shifts in the emergency department. Uh, so first things first, um, you want to make sure that, uh, as with all investigations, whether it's an ECG, a chest x-ray, uh, blood gas, whatever, is it the right patient, the right day, the right time? Okay, and those demographics are usually present on most chest x-rays. Okay. Next thing, you need to look at the image quality. Is it actually a satisfactory uh, chest x-ray? And for that, you can use uh, the mnemonic RIPE, R-I-P-E. Uh, R stands for rotation. Uh, so is uh, the patient uh, rotated or not rotated appropriately uh, so by doing this you can look at the chest x-ray you can make sure that the um, medial aspect of, of both clavicles uh, is equidistant from the spinous processes that you'll see on the spine uh, and that those spinous processes themselves uh, are vertically orientated against the vertebral bodies uh, when it comes to I, that stands for inspiration. Uh, so you want to make sure that the patient's taken a deep enough breath. And by doing that, you'll, uh, you'll count the, the number of ribs you can see. You want to see five to six anterior ribs. You want to see both of the lung apices. So you don't want to miss uh, an apical pneumonia or a consolidation there. You'll also want to see both costophrenic angles and the lateral rib edges. If you can't see all of those, then uh, your patient's not taking a deep enough breath. It's an inadequate inspiration. P stands for projection. So you want to make sure that you're aware of what the projection is. So a, a standard chest X-ray is uh, what's known as a PA or posterior to anterior film. Um, but if the patient's had a portable chest X-ray, say in, the, in recess, or uh, an intensive care, they'll have what's known as an AP or anterior to posterior film. And it's important to be aware of that, as we'll discuss that later on. Uh, as a rule of thumb, um, it should always say AP on it. Um, if it doesn't say anything at all, you can usually, uh, unless you're, you're in recess and you know for a fact that it was a, an AP film, if it doesn't say anything, you can usually, as a rule of thumb, assume it's a, a PA or a, a posterior anterior film. Um, you can have a look at the scapulae. Uh, and if they're not projected within the chest, you can pretty much guarantee it's uh, a posterior anterior film. Uh, finally, uh, when it comes to E, that stands for exposure. Uh, so has the patient had enough radiation? And by, uh, you can work that out by looking um, if the left hemidiaphragm is visible to the spine and if you can see the vertebrae behind the heart. If you can see those, then you know that the patient's got uh, adequate exposure. So you've checked the patient's, uh, it's the right patient, the right investigation. You've uh, made sure that the image quality is appropriate. There's the right uh, rotation, inspiration, projection, and exposure. Uh, it then comes on to actually interpreting the chest X-ray itself. And uh, handily, there's a, an ABCD approach uh, to this, just like there is with a poorly patient. And also very handily, uh, the A, B and C bits stand for the same as they do when you're doing an A2E assessment. So A stands for airway. Um, so you're going to have a look at the trachea. Uh, and uh, it's usually located centrally or just slightly off to the right. Um, what you're looking for here is, is there any uh, tracheal deviation? Uh, so um, you're going to look to see is it deviated to one side more than the other um, and also you can have a look then to see if there's anything that could be causing this tracheal deviation so 
um, things that can push the trachea to one side, i.e. away from itself, are things like a large pleural effusion or a tension pneumothorax. Of course, I should point out, tension pneumothorax is a clinical diagnosis. You should not be picking this up on a chest x-ray. Um, or pulling of the uh, trachea can be caused um, if there's a consolidation with a low bar collapse. Okay, uh, important to point out that rotation of the patient can give the appearance of a deviated trachea. So like I said before, uh, at the very beginning, you want to make sure that you're happy with the uh, degree of rotation or that there isn't any rotation going on. Uh, you can have a then a look at the, the carina and the bronchi. Uh, the carina is located at the point where the trachea devi um, divides into the left and right main bronchus. Uh, this division should be visible on a good quality chest x-ray and that's an important landmark um, if you're um, assessing if an NG tube, a nasogastric tube has been placed properly because that tube should dissect the carina if it's not correctly placed, i.e. it shouldn't be in the airway going down into uh, one of the uh, bronchi. Uh, the right main bronchus, as you'll know, is generally wider, shorter, and more vertical. So therefore, it's the most likely common site for an inhaled foreign body rather than the left. Uh, and then depending on the quality of the chest x-ray, you might be able to see um, any further subdivisions of the bronchi going into the separate lobes. Uh, at this point, you can also have a look at the, the hilar structures. Um, they consist of the main pulmonary vasculature and the major uh, bronchi. And um, there's also lymph nodes, which you shouldn't see in a healthy individual. Uh, the left hilum is often slightly higher than in the right, uh, but um, that can vary from person to person. Um, and they're usually the same size, although they can vary from person to person. Uh, both hyalurs should be the same size uh, in the same individual. So if you see uh, increased uh, size on one, uh, any asymmetry should make you suspicious of a pathology. Um, this is an important landmark because it's uh, where the descending pulmonary artery um, intersects the uh, superior pulmonary vein. Uh, so if you uh, lose it, you can't see it, there might be a lesion there, such as a, a lung tumour or enlarged lymph nodes. Um, if you have got some hilar enlargement, you can then think, is, is this uh, bilateral or is it unilateral asymmetry? Um, if there's a bilateral symmetrical enlargement, that's typically associated with sarcoidosis, um, whereas unilateral or an asymmetrical enlargement may be due to underlying malignancy. So that's pretty much airway covered. So now we're on to B for breathing, and that pretty much involves having a look at the lungs. So when we look at the chest x-ray, we divide each of the lungs into three zones, so into thirds, uh, upper, middle, and lower. Um, these aren't the anatomical lung lobes. As you know, the left lung has, uh, will have three zones when you're looking at it on an x-ray, but anatomically only has two lobes, okay? Uh, and basically you want to inspect each of the zones of the lung. Um, first of all, you want to look for the lung markings. So are there lung markings throughout all the lung fields or where the lung should be? If there isn't, that makes you think of a pneumothorax. Okay. You want to compare each zone, like for like on the other side, and looking for any asymmetry. Okay. Um, some asymmetry is normal and it's just point of looking at lots of chest x-rays and getting an idea of that and obviously certain things like the heart will be there which might make things a bit more difficult but you're looking for any asymmetries you're going from each zone okay um, 
Some lung pathology causes symmetrical changes, though, so something like uh, pulmonary fibrosis or uh, pulmonary edema seen in heart failure might make both lungs uh, look uh, equally abnormal, so be aware of that as well. Okay. Uh, any um, opacity or uh, increased airspace shadowing um, suggests pathology, such as a consolidation or a malignant lesion. Uh, and like I said earlier, if you can't see any lung markings within a segment of the lung, you should then think about pneumothorax. Okay, so make sure you're noticing that and, and take the time to notice it properly. Um, then you can uh, have a look around the lungs. So at this point, you're looking at the pleura. So we're still onto breathing, but we're looking at pleura. You shouldn't usually see these on a, on a normal person unless there's an abnormality such as pleural thickening. Um, so as I said, you're again in making sure that the lung markings go all the way to the edges of the lung fields uh, to make sure you, you're checking for pneumothorax. Um, fluid or blood can accumulate in the pleural space. Um, so causing an area of opacity so that could be a, a hydrothorax if there's fluid or a hemothorax if there's blood so you want to make sure you're looking for that um, if there is a pneumothorax of course you're also then looking back at the trachea to make sure that is there any deviation uh, as well as reassessing your patient to make sure is there any sign of tensioning because of course as we discussed earlier on the uh, spontaneous pneumothorax um, podcast uh, tension pneumothorax is a medical emergency and is uh, one of your four h's and four t's that can cause cardiac arrest um, the other thing to think about if you see pleural thickening is to think if your patient has any occupational exposure because that can be a sign of mesothelioma so we've done a we've done b we're on to c so uh, c for cardiac or circulation here so at this point you're going to have a look at the heart and um you're uh, looking first to see is this a normal heart size in a normal person the heart should occupy no more than 50 percent of the thoracic width i.e a cardiothoracic ratio of less than 0.5 you can only do this on pa chest x-rays this is why it's important to identify if you've got a pa or an ap because the ap uh, films because of how they're taken exaggerate uh, the heart size so it's ap uh, you should at least think or comment that you cannot draw any conclusions about the heart size, but if it's the PA, you can. Um, if you have a PA chest X-ray and your heart occupy and the heart on the chest X-ray occupies more than 50% of the thoracic width, that suggests abnormal enlargement um, and cardiomegaly. Cardiomegaly can be there for a variety of reasons, but uh, then that might be a time to, to revisit your patient history as well. Any history of valvular disease, cardiomyopathy, substance abuse, alcoholism, uh, pulmonary hypertension. Uh, pericardial effusion, anything like that, um, you, you've then got some um, uh, the beginnings of some imaging proof of cardiomegaly, um, uh, and the patient will then need uh, further assessment uh, with an echocardiogram. Uh, you can have then a look at the heart borders. Um, they should be pretty well defined in a normal, healthy individual. Um, the right atrium is makes up most of the right heart border, and the left ventricle makes up most of the left heart uh, border. If you can't see them as well, if there's a loss of definition, uh, that might tell you that something uh, wrong is uh, going on with your patient. Uh, loss of definition of the right heart border is associated with a uh, right middle lobe consolidation. If you uh, lose the left heart border, that's associated with a lingular consolidation. So that again tells you that there might be something going on with your patient. So we've done A, we've done B, we've done C, we're now on to D. And uh, D with the chest x-ray stands for diaphragm. Okay. Um, so you then look down at the bottom of the lung fields at the diaphragm. 
the right hemidiaphragm should usually be higher than the left. Um, this is uh, in, in a, a healthy individual because of the underlying liver. Uh, the stomach underlines the uh, left hemidiaphragm and uh, you very often see a uh, gastric bubble there okay, that uh, shouldn't be confused with uh, signs of um, perforation, free air. Um, you shouldn't be able to see the underlying liver uh, on a uh, chest x-ray um, in a healthy individual uh, but if you've um, taken a, an erect chest x-ray because you've got a patient uh, you're concerned with an acute abdomen you're concerned about perforation uh, you may spot some abnormalities there uh, at this point it's worth pointing out that erect chest x-rays will miss 20% of perforations so if there is a strong suspicion still that uh, your patient has a perforation uh, it's worth discussing with your uh, radiology colleagues uh, and if you are taking an erect chest x-ray your patient needs to be sat up for about 20 minutes and I mean properly sat up propped up um, so your patient may need analgesia are they actually able to do that but they need to be propped up for 20 minutes in order to give that uh, free air the time to accumulate under the diaphragm and what you might see there is uh, a, a lift from the on, on the right side from the uh, the diaphragm from the liver and you'll see this free air uh, and that might then make you suspicious that the, the patient has a perforation and needs to go on for further uh, CT imaging to find the site of uh, perforation. Uh, there's a debate there that uh, for another time, you know, if you are that strongly suspicious of perforation, uh, is there a point of doing an erect chest x-ray if you're then only going to go on to do a uh, CT abdomen, bearing in mind that you'll miss a fifth of them anyway, uh, but that's for another time. Um, there are some conditions where you can give uh, gives uh, a pseudo uh, pneumoperitoneum, uh, the, the appearance of free air under the right hemidiaphragm. Uh, if the colon can come uh, positioned between the liver and the diaphragm, that can give the appearance of free gas under the diaphragm uh, because the bowel wall and the diaphragm become indistinguishable due to how close together they are. Um, but, you know, certainly as, a, as an F1, as a junior doctor, if you see that, um, I certainly wouldn't uh, document that you just think that's the case and uh, discuss uh, further with a senior. Okay. Um, if you're seeing uh, what you think might be free air on the left side, again, like I said, the gastric uh, bubble of air is um, commonly seen there, and that's very discreetly seen within the walls of the stomach and is different. Um, the best thing to do here is to um, look online. Radiopedia is a fantastic website with lots of examples of this, and, and there'll be plenty online um, to see what free air looks like, uh, what the gastric bubble looks like, and, and as I said, just to get used to these uh, these um, what normal is and uh, what abnormal looks like. Uh, at this point, again, you can recheck the costophrenic angles. Uh, they're formed by the dome of the hemidiaphragm and the lateral chest wall, and these should be clearly visible uh, with a very well-defined acute angle. If you lose that, that's what we call costophrenic blunting, um, that suggests the presence of fluid or consolidation in that area. Um, could also be uh, secondary to uh, hyperinflation, which you might see in some conditions such as uh, COPD, uh, because of the diaphragm being flattened, and so you lose uh, the acute angle. So that's D for diaphragm, and now we're on to E, and E stands for everything else. So uh, you think you've done a chest x-ray, you've looked at all the thoracic structures, but there's other things that you can see, and you need to make sure that you're looking at everything. Okay. So have a good look at the mediastinum, 
make sure that you're happy with the mediastinal contours. Uh, the mediastinum, as you'll remember, contains the heart, the great vessels, lymphoid tissue, and some potential spaces. Let's have a look at the uh, aortic knuckle. Uh, that's the left lateral edge of the aorta as it arches back over the left main bronchus. Um, if there's a loss of definition there, if there's an abnormal shape there, that could be a sign of aortic aneurysm. Okay. You could also see what's known as calcium sign. This is a, an area of calcification. Uh, that's uh, being pushed away from the um, within the aorta is being pushed away from the outer aorta due to a space that's being formed uh, between the aortic intima and media and uh, that's a sign of uh, aortic dissection as well so that's an important that's another thing that you might be able to see there um, you can look at the aorto pulmonary window that's the space between the arch of the aorta and the pulmonary arteries um, if you can't really see that space, that could be a sign of uh, mediastinal lymphadenopathy, i.e. Uh, due to malignancy. Um, you can also look uh, here if uh, you might be able to see uh, pneumomediastinum. If you have a patient uh, who you're querying Boerhaave syndrome with, uh, who's been um, vomiting, um, extensively and has come in now with chest pain and you're, there's a concern about esophageal rupture you might be able to see pneumomediastinum on a chest x-ray again though I, th I would have a discussion with your radiology colleagues uh, before absolutely ruling that out uh, you can have a good look at the bones so don't forget that there's other things you can see there you can see the clavicles you can see both shoulders uh, you can see uh, the humeral heads as well so you're going to look very silly if you say the chest x-ray is absolutely fine uh, but you miss uh, the fact that the patient's got um, fractures or dislocations there so make sure you have a good look at the bones and also have a good look at the soft tissues have a look at the skin you may see blackness underneath the skin, that is air, that would be a sign of surgical emphysema, that would make you very worried that you've got a patient who may have um, a pneumothorax you might have missed, that the air may be tracking up, they may have um, something like necrotizing fasciitis and um, have uh, surgical emphysema there tracking up. So again, make sure you have a look uh, for those. Uh, for see if there's any free air there. Um, you may see uh, large hematomas there as well, so make sure you're having a good look there. Finally, um, have a look to see if there's anything sort of iatrogenic that's going on there. So um, are there any tubes in there? So you can look at the nasogastric tubes, if they've been placed properly. Uh, any uh, central lines placed properly as well. Um, don't be, you know, it can catch some people out uh, in exams. You may see ECG leads. You may see uh, the oxygen mask tubing tracking down. So, you know, be aware that there's those sorts of things. <clears throat> Um, if your patient has uh, jewellery on, uh, it's good to have uh, got those taken off and kept in a safe place before they have their x-ray because you don't want that obviously to occlude anything. You may notice things like that and, and you may, uh, that may affect the, your interpretation. Uh, you may see artificial valves if they've got metallic valves um, and you may also see a pacemaker if they have a pacemaker which is usually located below the left uh, clavicle but you may see all these things and that you need to be um, aware of that and, and you can um, potentially assess these things you know is my nasogastric tube in the right place is it going all the way down to the stomach um, is the central line in the right place um, Finally, absolutely finally, have another quick review. Make sure you've had a look at the lung apices. Have a look at retrocardiac space behind the heart. Have a look behind the diaphragm. Uh, check out uh, the peripheral lungs again and have a look at the hilum.
um, and you just want to make sure you're not missing anything subtle that's going on there. And that is pretty much it. If you remember RIPE and then remember A, B, C, D, E and going through that step by step, that is how you interpret a chest x-ray. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at McDreamy. Uh, don't forget that uh, you can learn more about education research opportunities uh, within emergency medicine, acute medicine, uh, major trauma. You can check out NUH Dream on both Facebook and Twitter. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.